Have you guys ever had a near-death experience? I have. Yes. If you were to die in that moment, how would you curse and haunt the people of that area? Well, I was on. I was crossing the street to get to my bus stop at like six in the morning in the middle of nowhere, Florida, and almost was hit by a car that I think honestly sped up to hit me. So it'd be a really boring horror because it was nowhere. Six a.m. Yeah, on the way to school or something. Yeah, yeah, I was going to the bus. So when you live in uh, like a fucking tiny ass town, that doesn't have their own school. They bus you to another school, and that means you got to get on the bus at an obnoxious time. Yeah, that's gross. Yeah, that was actually the horror of the whole story. <laughs> so how close are we talking here? Like inches away from getting. Yeah, down? I think it like like the car. I think tapped my backpack. Oh wow! Yeah, like it was very very. I we were crossing the street. It was me and my best friend at the time, and we got to like the median, and there was two cars. I'm using my hands because you guys can see that. <laughs> there was it was like a two lane road, and uh, one car was going one way, and the other car was going the other, obviously, and we got stuck right in between the two. I mean, we're talking millimeters. It was pretty crazy. Okay. Well, that does sound scary. Yeah. I don't how know would how you it... have haunted that crosswalk, or was it even a crosswalk? There was no crosswalk. Oh, we were just were crossing jaywalking. a highway. Well, there was no, there's no crosswalks <laughs> in a, a town. Criminal. Look, the town that I was living in at the time, it was literally a one like stoplight town. Okay. Uh, yeah. There was no okay. crosswalks I gotta there. Got to get in the right mindset. Here, yeah. Like population twenty. Yeah. Was your, was your town sign shot up though? <laughs> no, it was not. No. Uh, You're not small enough of a town. <laughs> um, Perfection. Yeah. Uh, how would I have haunted them? No, just, I guess it'd be like in every cliche horror movie. It would would just be a shadowy apparition that caused people to crash. Nice. Like going through that one area? Yeah, they'd be driving through and they'd just see like little old 12 year old me just pissed off. That would work. Because everybody's, uh, in every horror movie, you swerve the hell out of the way and crash into whatever. It's the the only option is to slam on your brakes and just swerve your car. There's no better way to do it. That's great. What about, like, would you be attached to the stop sign, the speed limit sign? No, I would just be in the middle of the road like I was with my (laughs) oversized backpack filled with shitty textbooks that I never used. Uh, All right. The important question here is what animal noise would you be making when you open your mouth? Oh, man. Now you're really getting into the weeds here. I got to tell you. Would you even hear it from the car, though? Like, oh, good point. Yeah. Like some kind of... I mean, you got to be really... I think it's got a moot point on this one. Screechy bird noise, like, ah! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. I like it. Garrett, what about yourself? I hate this question. It makes me realize how many times I've almost died. Well, Um, list them all. How many? No, I'm not listing them all. It's, I would say on, on, like, off the quick reference, I've, I can think of five times. It's like, oh, I should be dead right now. Um, But the one I think was, like, the most, like, kind of freaky was, uh, I was, like, a little kid. I want to say maybe, like, six or seven and I was in the uh, the old Volkswagen Beetle with uh, my dad at the time, and I was leaning against the door asleep, <clears throat> and the door just flung open. And I was so small that the seatbelt didn't actually grab me, and like I f- was starting to fall out of the car. And he reached over and grabbed my foot, like like my shoe and my foot, and that's I was hanging by that, going about fifty five down the road. Like all my my books and everything else that I had in the car, like in my lap and stuff, all fell out, went out on the the ground, Good and. He like pulled me back in, like just drug me back in the car. But like I remember like looking down and like my face was like I want to say within like less than a foot away from the ground 
going that fast. And um, I'm that, not going to lie. I've actually had fears of the doors of cars just knocking open and falling same. out. That's of a fear up. of mine yeah, as it well. It straight up happened to me when I was a kid. And I got home and I was crying. I was like, what happened? And I was like, all oh, my stuff fell out of the car. Like, I didn't. I didn't register like, oh, I almost legitimately died. I was more worried about like all my stuff I was never going to get back. And, um, right, you're too young to think about mortality at that my point. My dad's like <laughs> right, sweating it, bullets. He's just like, <laughs> holy shit. Like I literally had his shoe like in my hand. Yeah. Like, if he hadn't grabbed my shoe right then, that would have been <laughs> it for me. If you had been in Velcro, you'd be done. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, because the thing, when I almost died, me and my friend were just like, that was incredible. That was the best thing that ever happened to us. We I couldn't think, wait to tell everyone at school. I think our bodies do that. in front of traffic more. <laughs> yeah. I think our bodies like tell us to not take it seriously because, man, yeah, the it levity of it. It could be a biological uh, response. You know? So I think if I had to, if I had to haunt it, I'd haunt that Volkswagen Bug for the rest of my life. And then your dad's herb, car, yeah, like as it got passed on, and then I'd like pop mm. up and be like, surprise, and then lock the door or like you know change the radio station, just little stupid things. Hide their the change car. in petunias, you know, things. As like far that. as animal noise, white noise, static. There you go. Interesting. So you wouldn't really want to kill anybody. As no, goes. no. That's scary enough. Yeah, <laughs> I think true. I think I'd use my experience to help others to not fall out of a car. You should let them fall out, and as they're falling, you pick them back up and saying, "That's pretty scary," and you put them back in the car. I don't know. Probably. It's <laughs> pretty dark, Mark. <laughs> okay. When I was ten years old, I went to a family reunion in a wooded area. Um, it's like a. It was like a. Res- I, just, I just imagine your family reunion like in the middle of the woods. It's like the Evil Dead Two cabin. <laughs> no, it's it's like a wooded area resort, right? So it has some hiking trails. It's in North Texas somewhere. Um, me and my uncle got bored as fuck because family reunions are boring as fuck. That's and a fact. Like half the time, you don't even know half the people there. So me and my uncle were always just looking to get up to stuff. So we hiked over to this waterfall. Um, there was actually a path that you could go above the waterfall and then you'd have to scale down uh, the side of a cliff. There was about like a 20 foot drop. Wow. Like actually putting your hands and feet in the footholds of the side of the cliff to get down to the top. And then you could look over the waterfall, which was like another 40 feet or so with some rocks and water. This all sounds very dangerous. It, yeah. So How old was your uncle? My uncle was in his 30s. So he should have known better. Than to take you to this. Well, they were having a family reunion <laughs> in the woods. So maybe, maybe this is so, par for the course. So he he scaled down the cliff. He's like, come on down. And like he wandered off. And while <laughs> Didn't I didn't even watch you. <laughs> yeah. So while I was scaling down the side of the cliff, I fell. <gasps> and I fell about 10 to 15 feet, hit the, uh, the, the ground and started rolling off the waterfall. Yeah. Tuck and roll. I understand. So yeah, just by sheer force. And then it was kind of steep, right? Where the water was falling down. I actually grabbed onto some plants before I fell off the waterfall. You fell off the waterfall? No, before I was literally like on the side (laughs) where the water was rushing off. I grabbed onto the plants and stopped myself and like, was like, Holy shit. I almost just died. And Did you I find it exciting? And I looked at my uncle and I was like, you almost let me die. Oh, okay. You were watching me. Like, I understood that he was negligent in that moment. <laughs> I was like, you suck. You almost let me roll off a waterfall. Um, and all he could think is, man, his parents would have been so mad at me. <laughs> He's like, I am some deep shit. I let my nephew die. Um, so if I were to actually die at that moment, I would just be in the bottom of that lake of the waterfall and I'd drown people. Uh, okay. Uh, that's you wouldn't you wouldn't stand at the top and push them off. Oh yeah, right oh. when they think they're a safe distance, they're looking over like, oh man, that's so steep. I hope I don't fall. And you're like, boop. 
this is what happened yeah. to me. Or you could get them. real psychological and make them think they're further from the edge than they are, and they just walk themselves <gasps> off. Oh, Ooh. okay. Man, I like all these. I'm going to do all these things. <laughs> I'm going to be a, a multi-talented ghost. Um, I'd probably make some fish noise when I open my mouth. Gurgle. Glub, glub. <laughs> flub, glub. <laughs> I just assumed it had to be an animal that was nearby when you die. Okay. Is that, Is that how that works? Yeah. I think you just made that rule up. Well, the grudge kid and his cat got killed, and they merged into one being, and that's why he was screeching like a cat. Did you know that kid yeah. was terrified? That actor was terrified of cats? No. Yeah. That's anyway, good. we should probably talk about we'll that in the episode. That for a little bit. Spoiler, this episode's about the grudge. Hey, all you creatures from cyberspace, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Grave Talk Podcast. My name is Mark, again, joined with Garrett and John. Fellas, how are we doing today? Pretty good. Can't complain. Pretty good. It's another day here in Texas. I would Hot. love if one day you open the podcast like, I can complain today. Like, <laughs> actually terrible. That's yeah. how I'm doing. I'm doing terrible. Uh, it is 100 degrees here yes. today, which is We can't complain about fun. that. If you're not in Texas, it goes from basically uh, fall to spring to summer. Spring takes place <laughs> during winter. Um, so we are now deep into the summer months. Is that how it goes, Mark? It goes <laughs> yeah. fall to spring to summer? There's no winter. Only, oh, That's what okay. I'm saying. There's literally barely any winter It was here. cold here. No. Like we actually had a, we actually had a, pretty, good, pretty, we had cold. a pretty cold year on record. But okay, well, it's yeah, out of the overall, it is, it is extremes. It is one to the other. Uh, yeah. Because like a month ago, it was 70 degrees, and now it's like 100 plus. So Ugh. Yeah, the transition period is not. Welcome really to Weather there. Talk. <laughs> anyway, what have you guys been getting up to since last time? Um, I watched The Cloverfield Paradox. I know I'm pretty late on that one. Yeah. That movie, huh? It was... That was the one on Netflix that yeah. was supposed to be three different It was like a surprise movies. one. Yeah, it was supposed to be like three different anthology movies, and they eventually like just kind of kicked oh, it down. Oh, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so originally the Cloverfield series, after they did 10 Cloverfield Lane, which yeah. is supposed to be a series of movies that all shared the like Cloverfield name. Right. No, that's still happening. Oh, is, is it still There's happening? a Cl- Cloverfield universe. There's another Cloverfield movie coming out. Two I, theaters. Yes. Tonight. Like a real oh, clover, okay. like a real movie. So yeah. this one was just like a It's just a, a standalone. Add-on. Yeah. Okay. Um, I thought I, it was fine. It was a movie. You know, did all the movie things. It was cool to see the guy from the IT crowd in there. I enjoyed that. Yeah, he was uh, cool. Um, yeah. I think it had some plot failings here and there. Um, yeah. The premise was neat, though. Um, it was, it'd be interesting, and I hope sometime they tie it all together to see how does this tie into the regular Cloverfield story. Um, you know, at now, the are end... They, are they all connected? Yeah. They're all supposed to be in one universe, is my understanding of how Clover... The, Cloverfield movies so work. Then the, They're the, just different aspects of it. Then the Cloverfield, the Cloverfield Lane movie takes place in the same world as the Cloverfield Monster movie. Yes, that's my understanding. How oh, sounds man. like we need a Cloverfield episode. We might have to delve into that one. Um, episode. Well, I think I think this is a bit messy because I think whenever they have these scripts made. They're not intended to be Cloverfield films necessarily, but then they write them into them yes. such. Yes, I know for sure that happened with 10 Cloverfield Lane. I yes. don't know about this new, or it's not new anymore, but I don't know about Cloverfield Paradox. But I think it was the same situation. Yeah. Um, they had this sci-fi movie that they didn't think was strong enough, so they tacked on the Paradox name. They filmed that ending yeah, and then shopped it around because they didn't want to put it in theaters because they didn't think it was going to sell well. 
Fair so enough. So they uh, they did like a one day marketing campaign during the Super Bowl and was like, "Hey, guess what? There's a new uh, you know Cloverfield movie out." And everybody's like, "Holy shit!" And then everybody watched it and was like, "Eh." Yeah, that's how I. F- I mean, I don't think it was bad. I would say people should watch it, but was it like the most amazing film or anything? No, it was all right though. I had some really good scenes, um, but the whole plot, to your point, was a little janky. So yeah. I think Netflix has kind of screwed the uh, the was it good ratio up a little bit because nowadays when you watch something on Netflix and it's kind of eh, you're like, well, at least I didn't have to pay for it. Right. I mean, you're still technically paying for it, but it's like it's much less of a like like you just, you took a hit. Yeah, you don't have it to softens do. the blow. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they've really since they've started putting out so much content. It used to be like, oh, Netflix made it. It's probably pretty good. Now it, I feel like it's just like any other network. Yeah, it's probably gonna be hit or miss. You know, you really got to wade through Netflix to find stuff. They have so much content now. Yeah, their own. Every week it seems like there's something new that you could just be like. I don't know if this is good or not. Yeah. One of my secret pleasures is to go to people's houses and when I'm there, like open up their Netflix queue because Netflix algorithm for like what you might like and what it actually shows you in the genres mm-hmm. is so specifically catered to what you've watched right like looking at people's cues i'm like i didn't even know netflix had this movie it's like mm-hmm, the yeah. second thing on their <laughs> list like you would also like this and i'm like i didn't even know this movie existed here just because it's never going to show me these types of horror movies or anything yeah. and netflix it's like, wow. must think i'm a sociopath because all they ever show me is horror movies i that's like all netflix i watch thinks so. most of us are all sociopaths yeah. Well, I found out yesterday to my uh, detriment, I'm not happy about this all, that Netflix took away the rating system. Oh, yeah. It's just thumbs up, thumbs down. Now it just says, oh, this movie's a 95% match for you. No, you can still give it thumbs up and thumbs down. At the end, you still... But it used to have the star rating. Oh, the stars have been gone for ages. Where you been, bro? Yeah, Yeah, it's been gone for a long time. Yeah, what's her name? Amy Schumer messed it up for all of us. Oh, what did she do? Well, like, they put put a bunch... Here's what I heard. Now we're spreading rumors on our (laughs) podcast here. Obviously, Netflix didn't come out and say, this is because Amy Schumer. Welcome back to Amy Schumer. (laughs) Yeah, but my understanding is they really pushed this special and like it was really trash and it went down to like one star and they're like we gotta fucking hide this shit so they took away the stars and just gave thumbs up thumbs down I hope that's true that sounds fun I like little weird tales of how things came to be yeah that's it's like it was all Thanks over the internet lot, Schumer uh, so the internet cannot be Back wrong off Schumer man <laughs> alright alright she's fine um, got some new Godzilla news uh, we recently wrapped up our Godzilla and King Kong episode uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters has now got a firm release date of May 31st, 2019. So, we, you know, in just about a year, we'll be able to see the King of Monsters go up against Mothra Rodan and King Ghidorah. Or, or listen, maybe we'll only see them in little bits as doors are closing or through television shows. Or maybe we'll get to watch a character watch the fight. They have better clean up that format. <laughs> if because you if have it's not, the same thing, I'm going to be pissed. If you've not listened to our uh, Kong Skull Island Godzilla episode, please do so. Because you will understand what we're talking about when you realize that Godzilla was on the screen for maybe seven minutes max. Yeah, it's depressing. I did want to mention that we didn't uh, get too much into this new one coming out, but the cast is uh, surprisingly robust. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things is going to be in it. Um, Vera Farmiga. Okay. Oh yeah, what was she? She was um yeah she was in something decent. Man, yeah, you're right. This actually is a pretty good cast. I guess I'll let you read it so I don't actually just like, well, this looks pretty good. No one knows. <laughs> Let's all just talk about. about the cast and uh, not here say we go. So Thomas Middleditch is in there from um, Silicon Valley. Uh, Bradley Whitford, Kyle Chandler. I mean, all these people you may not recognize their names, but you'll totally immediately recognize their faces. Bradley Whitford. Um, the first thing I remember him from was Billy Madison. He played the foil. To Billy Madison. Yes, he was. He was the, also in Cabin in the Woods as the guy who would really wanted to see those fishmen. 
Oh, you know what? I haven't seen the movie in so long, but I remember really liking it. That's the one by um, Josh Whedon, right? Yeah, that movie is exceptional. It yeah, is very really good film. We'll the the kind of the point. meta, the meta horror yeah. type thing. Okay. Uh, and then we also had the guy from. Uh, did you mention the dude from Friday Night Lights? No, because well, I mean, I did, but I don't. I don't. I, his name is like Chad something. Chandler, Chandler. Uh, Kyle Chandler. Kyle Chandler. Um, he was also in that newspaper show back in the day. Newsroom. No, it's the one where the guy got the newspaper a day early. Oh, the early edition. That was a good show. And Probably not. Would, but no idea what you guys are talking about. He got a newspaper a day before it's printed, and he would go try to fix all of the, um, bad, the things. bad things that happened that day. I hate TV so much. <laughs> yeah, it was very nineties. Anyway, yeah. So Godzilla, look forward to that. Or return. don't. Or don't look forward to it and just expect it to happen at some. Lumbering point. to a theater near you next year. Um, also, we've got some news in the superhero world that kind of bleeds well, over into the horror. Let's uh, let's put that in perspective. Superhero news. This character is <laughs> not a superhero. Morbius, Garrett. Who is Morbius? The living vampire from uh, Marvel Comics. Hmm. He is. He looks like you would expect him to look. He kind of. Um, he looks kind of like a half bat, half human. He looks like a humanoid kind of like. Imagine the crow. Brandon Lee's The Crow with bat face features. Um, He is like a a half human, half vampire. He's constantly trying to develop a a string of like cure for it. Um, He ties into the Blade universe. He ties into the Spider-Man universe. He's kind of a Spider-Man villain mostly. Uh, I don't want to get too nerdy into this, but um, he's he's an interesting Spider-Man character when he shows up, but he is very repetitive. Do you think he's strong enough to stand alone on his own film? Wait, it's a standalone film? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just going to be the next Spider-Man movie. No, it's straight up called Morbius. Please tell me it's not like Marvel doing this. It's Sony. So okay, they're that dub- makes sense. They're doubling down on their, I uh, uh, guess, making villain film, villain films. But I, I mean, Marvel's probably involved because Sony and Marvel have Marvel a movie is, deal now. Marvel's involved. Marvel basically is going to be involved in all the Spider-Man stuff to a degree, yeah. although they had very little hands-on with this Venom movie, hmm. which is why you basically see Tom Hardy as Tom Hardy with tentacles most of the movie, it looks like, and occasionally we'll see him in the Venom suit. Again... Damn it, Sony. Didn't you learn your lesson? You gave us Spider-Man. We made you buckets full of uh, dump trucks full of money. And then you're like, we can do that. And it's like, no, you've had history of not doing this. It's like, just stop trying. Jerry's still out on that Venom. Um, they got the look right, but yeah, that they story doesn't look very yes, good. Yes, but they got the look right. But again, all the trailer, you see him in the suit for like a fraction of a second, which maybe it's an early trailer. CGI is probably be, not all but done. But at the same time, they've got him like in human form using tentacles out his back to pull his motorcycle up to him. It just, Venom doesn't have to do that. Venom can swing around the city with his tentacle stuff, just like Spider-Man I'm assuming does. he's had no interaction with Spider-Man in this version, because he that's where have, he picks up his web and his white right. spider the on, suit him, him had, on the, the suit. suit and we has. don't know the order of events in the trailer, so that could be early you're when right, he's first figuring right. it I will, out. I will, D-fanboy on this. <laughs> Again, I hope it's good. I hope Sony can turn out some stuff, but Morbius the Living Vampire is such a random kind of... I mean, sure, they, not a lot of people know him, so maybe you can do more with him and basically make it seem original, but he's not an interesting character. Well, they put out the first general details of the movie, and this is what uh, Sony released. It says, it's a horror action story of a scientist who, in trying to find a cure for a rare blood disease, accidentally transforms himself into a living vampire who, though disgusted by his own bloodlust, chooses to prey upon criminals he deems unworthy of life. That's that's pretty accurate to the, the character and the stories, but hmm. 
doesn't it just it seems so boring and cookie cutter there's nothing interesting about that you say he's attached to the blade universe why don't they go back to blade before they move into this 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 is what i'm like the thing is if they don't use this as a vehicle to bring which they can't marvel owns blade although marvel may lend them blade um they've got kind of a, a friendly relationship yeah. now it seems like did but, marvel make the blade movies the wesley snipe ones uh no they were marvel owns the character yeah they but licensed it was, them out. They licensed it out. Someone owned the rights for a while. They made the Blade movies, and then Marvel got the Blade license back. Oh. So Marvel owns Blade, Moon Knight, um, a couple other like the the Punisher. They were all part of like kind of a deal like that. Mm. And um, but uh, Blade is back in Marvel's possession. That's cool. There's a lot of talk that they might have done a Blade Netflix series along with the Moon Knight and the um, potentially Ghost Rider stuff. But it looks like Ghost Rider's in Shield now. Mm. Anyway, I don't know, man. It just seems like there's so many interesting Spider-Man villains that you could do a, like a really cool story with. Craven the Hunter is a really interesting idea, you know, like have Craven go on the hunt for anybody in the Marvel universe. That's an interesting concept. Uh, the Rhino, who is a very tragic kind of basic character, but you could delve his story tied into other characters. Who was entirely wasted on that amazing Spider-Man 2 movie. I'm not even going to talk about that <laughs> damn Rhino mech suit with Paul Giamatti inside. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, look forward to that or don't, depending on you where you stop saying fall. look forward to stuff, man. Just be like, that's coming and just leave it at, well, okay, you know, say that's on the horizon, but. Before we get started on today's episode, I just wanted to mention that I did uh, try to delve into some Japanese horror. Um, today we're going to be talking about The Grudge and it is based on a Japanese horror. So I was like, well, what else is out there? Started perusing Netflix and there is a shit ton of Japanese horror mm-hmm. on there. And it's normally pretty good. Yeah, so I uh, I guess I chose a poor one. Uh, it's called Tag uh, from 2015. It's about um, a group of schoolgirls in an all-girls school going on some field trip. They're on a bus having a good old uh, time, and then the bus gets cleaved in half, and everyone on the bus is cut in half, blood spurting everywhere, except for one girl that bent down to pick up a pen. Sounds very Japanese already. It was. And it started out, I was like, okay, what else happens? The bus behind him gets cleaved in half, and then she gets started, She gets chased by the wind. The wind is chasing her yeah. around, trying to kill her. So I got a real The Happening vibe. Yeah. And but in, in the Japanese culture, I think that they have like elemental things like that, you know? So... Part sometimes it doesn't translate over it that well been. to American. Why they remake some of these movies like The Grudge and yeah, The so Ring? I'm, I wasn't completely off the movie right away, but uh, a lot of what I saw was just pe- girls running around, yeah, getting to a point A to point B, and then they tried to introduce this alternate reality twist. So at some point, she hops into another alternate reality, and all the teachers kill all the students with machine guns cool yeah that's a reality all right that's not an alternate reality in america (laughs) (laughs) oh man here we go politics talk (laughs) anyway um i stopped watching that so um we have managed to talk about everything in this episode except for the fucking grudge (laughs) we're getting there and we're getting there right now So today we're talking about The Grudge from 2004. It's based on the Japanese horror film Ju-On. Uh, that was directed by Takashi Shimizu, uh, produced by Sam Raimi, and it is a PG-13 rated film. And this stars Sarah Michelle Gellar as Buffy the Vampire Caretaker. We've got <laughs> J- Jason Bear as Doug, William Mapother as Matthew, Clea Duvall as Jennifer, Katie Strickland as Susan, Bill Pullman as Peter, 
Um, this film pulled in a 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. Bill Pullman as. Was that Bill Paxton or Bill Pullman? I can't remember. Pullman, sir. Pullman. I know my bills. <laughs> the Pullman Paxton paradox. <laughs> yeah. Which one is who? I had to look it up before the podcast to remember. <laughs> You're always going to have that friend in the group of friends who doesn't know a Paxton from a Pullman. So <laughs> make sure you can correct them. Paxton or Pullman, you decide. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what the box has to say about this one. Sarah Michelle Gellar stars as an American nurse who has come to work in Tokyo. Following a series of horrifying and mysterious deaths, she encounters the vengeful supernatural spirit that possesses its victims, claims their souls, then passes the curse to another person in a spreading chain of horror. Now she must find a way to break the supernatural spell or become the next victim of an ancient evil that never dies, but forever lives to kill. What? Was that the movie? That is that is the movie. I mean, it's it's pretty concise and accurate, but it's it delves into a lot of stuff that's not really talked about a whole lot in the movie. No, like ancient supernatural. That's ancient? not really how they describe it in the movie, right? Because it was when Kiyoki, big spoiler here, and she like killed herself. Then this grudge got created. That's not very ancient. It was like two years ago. Well, she okay. So there's oh man. Well, let's let me let me just <laughs> the movie starts with text on the screen. Um, the text As all reads, good movies do. <laughs> right. The text reads, When someone dies in the grip of a terrible rage, a curse is born. The curse gathers in the place of death. Those who encounter it will be consumed by its fury. Yeah, that's about right. That sums up kind of what we're about to see in this movie. Yeah, but ancient evil, I'm not I so sure yeah. about. I don't maybe, know they, maybe the grudge 2 through 19, or however many grudges they are, further delve into. So they actually do. Like yeah. the Japanese ones. So a lot of what we see in the American one, the American grudge, um, some of these scenes and stuff that we, we have explained to us is actually from like the second and the third um, grudge movies, the Japanese ones. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, like how... Um, the the jaw being ripped off again. We'll get to this part. That was right a great that. scene, though. The jaw being ripped off. That's actually the second sequel oh. of the Japanese one. You realize that uh, Kyoko uh, rips uh, her husband's jaw off. Wow. And then um, the so kid they made these hangs very the, the body fast. in the, the closet. Yeah. So there's there's a few there's a few like subtle major differences right. and stuff like that. And we'll get to those. So as they we get made two this. in Japan. Oh, there's more than that. Right. Hold but on. then in the time that it took, like in one year, right? Because you said it was in Japan in 2002 and here in 2004. So two years, I guess. That's. I mean, they were pumping them out yeah, in Japan. The grudge, the grudge came out in 2002. The Grudge 2 came out in 2003. And then... Um, Ju-On was 2002. Yes, Ju-On yeah. was 2002. The Grudge was 2004. Yes, but Juan the Grudge. So in Japan, they're called Juan colon It's going to be very confusing is what's going to happen. So we'll, we'll get this out of the way. We'll, we'll refer to the Japanese ones as Juan 1 okay. and 2. But yeah, so Juan It's called Juan the Grudge in Japan. Got it. So Juan the Grudge came out in 2002. Juan the Grudge 2 came out in 2003. Those are the Japanese ones. And then in 2004... We got the American Grudge. Got it, man. They wasted no time. I like that. They it were was, just was, let's it go. Hit. It was a hit. Over Pedal there, to so the they metal. Kind of like yo, grab it. Well, let me say this. You you <laughs> say that in one of the films they reveal that the jaw on the floor. We'll get to that in the film plot at some point. Um, that that is the husband's jaw. Yes, she rips off the now, husband's jaw before. In the American movie, the the caretaker, the Japanese woman, is revealed to have no jaw. Yoko. 
Yoko. Poor Correct, Yoko. because the the spirit at that point is inflicting the same pain she inflicted on. Okay. So basically, it's it's repeating the anger and the the stuff that it did. So we're talking multiple jaws here. I just want to make sure that we were getting the kills <laughs> yes, right. Yes. So the, we've got a lot of jaws in the this jaw movie. rip. We see it's almost kind of like Swayze's throat rip in uh, Roadhouse. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's just his thing. So this is just kind of this ghost okay. thing. Um, yes, Yoko does get her jaw ripped off, but that's supposed to be reminiscent of what we see in uh, Juon Two, where we find out that um, Kayoko, before uh, it's killed, like she rips her husband's jaw off and then kills him, strangles him to death with her hair, which is why the hair plays such a prominent role in the mm. visuals. She strangles her husband to death with the hair, her long ass hair, and then the boy. So is she not Toshiro, a student in Juon? Oh, I don't remember. Um, so how does she have a husband? Kyoko does in Juan. In Juan, okay. Because in the grudge, she's like just a kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, Um, she's. Well, I think also maybe it's just the way it looks. Okay. Um, But I think they're still like involved with each other, Kyoko and the the husband. So anyway, she um, she strangles them with the hair, and then supposedly, I I think, man, it's been such a long time to see these. um, The the kid Toshiro is the one that hangs the body in the closet after he's been killed. Like he hangs the body up of the dad in. Mm The closet, and that's where the thumping comes. We're giving away so much of the scary shit from the end of this movie, but it'll all make more sense when you actually see it. So some of the stuff we see in the American one came from the first one and the sequel in Japan, because the sequel actually explains a lot more the backstory of what happened with that relationship between Kayoko, the husband, and Toshiro. Yeah. Interestingly enough, The Grudge 2 in America is not a remake of the Juon 2. They actually completely split, according to what I read, the second Juon has something to do with them uh, bringing in some sort of Japanese television show where they have them stay in the house. Yeah. And while the American Grudge movie continues the story of Sarah Michelle Geller introducing her sister after the events of this movie. So it's, it's uh, the classic. We can't get the original actor back. Here's her sister. Well, she's in it, too, but they oh. bring her in. So they did get yeah. Sarah Michelle Geller. Wow. You know, I, that was also during the heyday of Buffy. So that was when she was still riding high. Yeah, I don't. I thought she did okay. I didn't think she did bad. I think she did fine. I, I don't think she's a great actress, but I don't think she did bad by any means. So, it was okay. Yeah. Um, an interesting point to note is that the director of Juon also did The Grudge. They brought him over to film this movie as well. Oh, okay. Right. I think that was kind of, and again, I, I don't know how much this is true, but I'm pretty sure like what it was is like, yeah, you can totally option this, but I would like to be the one to direct it. And they were like, yeah. okay, that sounds fine. You I think the original job. director of The Ring came to do The Ring 2. He did not do The Ring 1, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. That's cool. Um, so shall we dive into this plot? Yeah. For what it's worth? Why don't you kick us off? So just a, just a heads up. This is going to be kind of confusing. So we it do recommend at yeah. one point, if you get confused by our description of the plot and stuff like that, just go watch the movie. So or, then you could be confused after having seen it on screen. Yeah, because... <laughs> well, I mean, there's some stuff that's just... It, the movie jumps around a lot without even letting you know it's jumped around. Yeah, that the first time I saw it totally threw me. Um, and that's actually in the Japanese one. Um, that happens a lot more. It like, threw it, you? Like Bill Pullman throws oh, himself over the balcony? Which is oh. how this movie starts. It that's starts right. with it after this uh, gripping text that Mark ran. There's a Bill uh, Paxton Pullman suicide. <laughs> a Bill P. The jury's suicide. still out on which Bill it is. So who was that in bed with him? Was that his wife? Yes. Or was that? Yeah. Okay, I could Because it did not look like the wife that we see later on in the flashback. No, and I was she, like, yo, did he move on that quick? I was like, my dude. His wife, after uh, he dies, 
quickly become some kind of hooker, I can only assume, some sort of high-end escort. It was a very weird scene that comes later in the movie. As one I, does. Yeah, that I did not understand at all. You'd be amazed by what transformations can happen in the bathroom when women put their mind to it, okay? It's, that's going to be my prenup if I ever get married. If I die, <laughs> tragically, you have to become a high-class escort. Yeah, it was it was really weird. Um so yeah, so it starts with uh, with a suicide, um, and we were you know you don't know who it is at first, um, and then it cuts to I guess Yoko, and I am Team Yoko. I'm really sad that she died so quickly. Yeah, I liked her. Well, little she was on screen, I was yeah. like, can we just follow this one instead of Buffy the Vampire Caretaker? Right, because you're like okay, um, so Yoko is taking care of this like she can't talk, can't move, but she's like cognizant, uh, elderly lady. And then she hears some weird shit and she's well, like, well, Yoko is actually like a, her job is to be a yes. caretaker for like people who need assistance in their yeah. home. So she, she goes to Karen is the name of this lady. She goes Karen. to Karen's house. Yeah. And, uh, Karen is not, yeah, not comatose. No, but she definitely, they, they like, use a word for her that I cannot remember, but she just can't do anything for, you know, herself really. Yeah. And we um, would be remiss if we didn't notate that the woman playing the elderly mom is the same mother from Twin Peaks. Uh, she plays Sarah Palmer, and she was also in Child's Play too as the yes, uh, the what was it the orphanage the lady orphanage yeah, yeah. And she does a great job for someone who can't really vocalize. Yeah. She has very you know great facial expression. Um, I think she acted the hell out of that role. Yeah, it's just so it's always a joy for me uh, being a fan of Twin Peaks. Yeah, any of those characters pop see up them. or actors and actresses pop up and other things I see. So I just wanted to notate it. Okay, noted. I saw you, Sarah Palmer. <laughs> I saw you. Um, so yeah, so Yoko is this like professional caretaker and, um, she hears some weird noise. She's like, I better go investigate upstairs, upstairs. Yeah. yeah. So she goes upstairs. Um, then she hears the noise, like it's from a closet and then I don't know. It's, a crawl space. Yeah. Then she like goes up into the attic and then poor Yoko dies. That's the end of Yoko. She gets pulled up. So you basically see her feet from her, like yeah. her feet perspective standing in the closet with her head up in the attic she gets pulled up and violently screaming and gets yanked up into yeah. the attic and that's the last we see of yoko for a while i gotta tell you i don't think i would have investigated as thoroughly as she did that's one thing i noticed about this movie and this is something that happens in a lot of movies but specifically in this movie is like the moment someone hears something like coming like from a closet that should mm. not be there they just stand there kind of like huh i, I wonder bet, what that was yeah. so you you, you got to put it in this perspective right this is not yoko's house she sure. is an employee, a caretaker. Right. Basically, what you should do as an employee, I heard some weird shit. You family should go investigate. Right. But even if this were my home, okay, I own a home. If I heard some weird shit in the attic, I'd be like, fuck, I got raccoons. And then I'd talk, call someone who dealt with raccoons. I wouldn't be you, like... You bring in the pest control, yeah. the animal control. I wouldn't be like, all right, I should go into my attic alone. Or at the very least, I'd be like, hey, wife or some other person... Because you know what? It's not. You wouldn't make your wife go in no, there? No, I'd go in there, but oh, you don't okay. just crawl around in an attic by yourself. That's, you, just bad, that's just bad life advice. Okay, so speaking of terrible life advice and me being the smart person that should know better, we actually, like, in my house, I hear things running in the, the ceiling at yeah. night, which, let me tell you, terrifies the fuck out of me. It's constantly. a grudge ghost. You probably have raccoons. I fucking hate you, Mark. It's <laughs> or possums. A, so I thought it was, like, maybe raccoons, or we have some, like, random cats. And yeah. I was like, maybe there's a cat up in the attic. And um, so the other day, I just, like, open the attic, take a bat, and just walk up in there. Like, I'm going to handle this. And, like, halfway up the stairs, as I get my head up in there, I was like, this is the dumbest fucking idea I've ever had. I was like, of all your dumbass advice, Garrett, yeah. to not, like, even fuck with this shit. 
You didn't even stop to be like, this could be a fucking person or a monster or a ghost. It's, it's true. Like, you just like, I'm going up there with a bat. Even if it's not supernatural, raccoons will fuck you up. They got little claws. And thumbs. Yeah. And they have thumbs. They're super smart. They I mean, obey my bidding. Uh, I would not go on a moment with a raccoon. I think it could take me. Let's get back to this plot. <laughs> they could also be rabbits. <laughs> yeah. So Yoko gets killed by a raccoon. Yes. And, um, and we have a completely different film. Yeah. So Yoko gets killed and then it cuts to Sarah Michelle Gellar. And um, now here's a here's a is she supposed to be a student and a caregiver or yes, is she... she's a student with a part time job as a caretaker? Because she so we cut to Sarah Michelle Geller who's in bed. Yeah. Who her boyfriend is like they're both in Japan. This movie loves to show people waking up and it's really annoying because. You could just cut all of that. In general, you could just start like five minutes later but when they're doing what they need to do. But you wouldn't have gotten that scene where he's like trying to get up all quietly not to wake her up. And she's like, come back to bed. And he's like, I can't. I got to go. And she's like, I lied. I changed the clocks to an hour later. So that way, you know, you would wake up early so we could fuck. She doesn't say that, but that's exactly what she meant. Yeah. And then um, that whole scene could have been cut. It was irrelevant. I'm gonna. This is the perfect opportunity to bring up a point that I wrote down and was just beside myself. She has an actual honest to God alarm clock that looks like the generic alarm <laughs> clock that has been around in every Acme cartoon with the, the circular with the two bells on the side. I didn't know those actually existed or people still purchase those. Well, they might not remember this movie's 15 years old. <laughs> Even back then, but, yeah, I still no. had the square with the digital number on it. Yeah, I know. I've seen those. I remember in college, people had them in their dorm. They thought they were creative. Did you ask them how weird they are? No. And then, you know what? Those was- are wind up clocks. She even says, I wound the clock. You have another hour. Come back to bed. Look, she's a clock hipster, Mark. We are Don't so <laughs> off track here. Anyway, I'm getting us back into the plot. Um, so, yes, she basically like wakes up. Her boyfriend basically came over to uh, Japan to go to school. And then she moved there with him because I guess they're in love with each other. Yeah, and I guess. so she moved there with him. She's taking a few classes. And His name sp- is Doug, by the way. Doug. And, and in her spare time, she is taking classes also. Yeah. But she never really goes to school. Well, though she mentions like, like, oh, I might have a test. But yeah, she never goes to school. <laughs> She's also 27. Is <laughs> she 27? When she filmed this, she was 27. No, but, but not in the film. The, the, hold this, the character. She looked every bit 27 <laughs> next to Doug, who surprisingly is older than her. Uh, really? He was born in 1973. He looked like he was 10 <laughs> with he, a beard, he but he still it. looked very young comparatively to Wait, her. But So maybe she has that alarm clock since she was a child. <laughs> it's a oh child, you guys. Oh, my God. Check your watch. They set the clock an hour ahead last night. Okay, moving past alarm the alarm clock. clock. So All we right. cut to Sarah Michelle Gellar basically being like, like walking with her boyfriend. We see them walking through Japan just to make sure we all understand that they're in Japan. Yeah. She goes to um, the same place that Yoko works to get right. her next assignment, and then the and her boss is I need a white to point man. Out, is he? He's uh, Sam Raimi's brother, Ivan Raimi. Here's what I don't understand. What stood out to me is uh, this whole place seems to be Japanese, except. Sarah Michelle Gellar and the boss, who's a white man, who somehow isn't a Japanese person running this entire organization. That's actually something that was some of the criticism that a lot of people gave um, the American remake um, is the fact that why are there so many like English speaking Americans this involved in in charge functionality? Of a Japanese like business. Well, I can think of two reasons. Well, one, yes. because it's a U.S. movie. Well, of course. Right. I mean, we, we uh, know and, the and, reasons, but I'm just saying, like, that was two, one of the things that Ivan always shows up in Sam Raimi movies. 
Okay, mm-hmm. I didn't know. All right, so. fair enough. And he's like, it's your lucky day. Yoko disappeared, so you're up. Well, no, no, he, he's a little more somber <laughs> about that. But yeah, he's like, he's like, I've got an assignment for you. You're ready to go solo. And she has this look of terrified, yeah. like, oh my God, I know I'm not ready. And he's like, don't worry, you got this. If your employee who's in charge of taking care of other people has the look of like, you should not leave me alone by myself with other people, you shouldn't leave her alone by herself with other people. He's like, just check the map. You'll be fine. And then she looks lost the whole time she's trying and to get the there. Thing, if she's going to school and Japan, she has to at least understand basic Japanese. And nope. she doesn't understand street signs. She's asking people like, where is this place? You know, like it's like yeah. you should be able to like read basic Japanese. She tries to she's say got a few say, uh, a few phrases down. Yeah. She's got a few phrases. She says arigato. Right? That's, yeah. Everybody knows that. No, though. she knows it though. Uh, she says Mr. Roboto. No. Thank you very much. She tries to say hi to this little kid and the that was like my favorite scene in the movie. And then the Japanese mom was like, That's enough out of you and like pushed her kid behind her. Yeah. <laughs> what are you really a caregiver? W- it was your really wife, weird. I can tell. Yeah. What your You're job not ready is for this. So she goes to um so she gets the assignment, <laughs> which is basically going to uh the same house that Karen's in, and she's like, Well, she, he, and the, the boss is like, well, that's Yoko's thing, but she yeah. hasn't called into work, so this is all you. So she goes and finally makes her way to the house somehow. Cause she Knocks speaks. and lets herself in. Yes. Yeah. First time ever. There is, uh, we need to mention that this in this house is a husband and wife. Uh, Matthew and Jennifer live here, and then Sarah Palmer is the mother. Connor Sarah Palmer's going to be so <laughs> confusing. Sorry, okay. Uh, mother Emma, uh, son Matthew, and wife Jennifer all live in this house. You're not going to let yourself in on day one. Just walk straight in. No, she had no concerns. She was like, oh, all right, whatevs. Well, I mean, you're there to take care of people. Maybe that's protocol. I don't know the, the, if the elderly the lady Japanese caregiving sure. situation. That's if fair. Elder- we don't know their their rules and regulations, Mark. We're assuming. I would say if the elderly if the elderly lady lived by herself, then absolutely let yourself in. But they would have on record, oh, there's a competent wife and husband living here. You don't just let yourself in. Well, Maybe they're at work. Well, actually, this is explained later. But they're this, not. This is explained <laughs> later. So, um... Because remember, before she goes, the boss is like, Yoko has the only key to the house. The boss says that Yoko has the key, just go he over He does there. say that. So that's why I think she checks the doors to see if it's locked. But because if Yoko is there. also said, hey, you've been asking for your own assignment. And Sarah Michelle Geller was like, have I been? She yeah. said it with her eyes, not her mouth. <laughs> like I said, there's, she has a look of her face of like, oh, I am not ready for this. So but this- anyway. She gets to this fucking house. I'm going to get this plot moving some way or the other here. She gets to this house. She goes in, and the place looks like a kegger took place. It's so messy. It's dirty. There's trash everywhere. And then she's looking around kind of like, oh, this is interesting. Now, quick side note about the house that this was filmed in, in Japan, and the the grudge, or Juon, that's a real house. And in the American one, they actually recreated the house exactly the same way as the Japanese house on a soundstage. Hmm. So it's exactly, they, they rebuilt this house on a soundstage for the American one, but they, they built the whole thing. That way it looked authentic to the orig- original one. Oh, that's pretty cool. So she goes in and then she sees, um, she hears like someone hitting like a glass door and she sees like hands hitting the bottom of the door and she goes and opens it. And then you see Emma trying to like crawl her way out of this room, like mumbling incoherently and stuff like that. And she's like, oh, my God. And she yeah. gets her back in the bed, lays her down. She's cleaning up this like, you know, mess that's in there. And then she sees the little boy on the second story. And she's like, yo, what are you doing here? And he doesn't talk. Well, she calls she calls her boss. 
No, 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 this is later. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're so right, after right. she, she sees the, the boy, yeah. And goes upstairs, and there's a closet that has been taped up with packing tape. Yes, that's where she sees it. It looks right. like it's the worst tape job, but it looks like someone went OCD crazy trying to close this closet, and there's noise coming from inside yeah. the closet. And as an employee, you go in where you don't belong. <laughs> she opens open it up. She pulls all the tape off this closet. I'm sorry, if I see any closet like taped up or like barricaded and I hear noises coming for yeah. it, my first move is to call the cops. Well, once again, I, maybe for my own home, but yeah, like Mark said, she's an employee. My first move would be, okay, I'm going to ask the, you know, husband and wife about this when they come back. It's not, I'm going to fuck up someone else's house to see what's happening. Well, they mentioned that the, the husband and wife are hard to get hold of pretty regularly. They live Fair. there, but they're they're hardly ever there. So I think they use that as the kind of the expectation of like, good luck <laughs> with them. But yeah, so she walks in, she unpulls the tape off, she opens the closet door, <clears throat> and there's a fucking small child inside. Yeah. And a cat. And a cat, yes. There's a cat and a small child inside. She just, it cuts immediately to her on the phone with her boss being like, there was a kid in the closet. What should I do? And she's like, silence, silence. Okay, you're right. I'll wait for them to get home. No, if you find a kid taped yeah. in a closet, you call the cops regardless of who lives there. Truth. So anyway, she, she, does, she does speak to the boy and get his name. Yeah. So at that point, she hangs up the phone. She goes into the, the foyer, if you will. And then looks up, and the boy is like leaning against the railings, yeah. looking down at her from upstairs. And that's when she says, Kanichiwa. And then she introduces her name. And then the kid just stares at her and then goes, Toshiro, like says his name. Mm-hmm. And then she hears like um, Emma from the other room freaking out. Like this, this woman who just lays there and doesn't say anything and doesn't move is suddenly like freaking out and like kind of like talking. And she, I think she sees something before then, but she goes back in the room and as she's talking, like, hey, what's going on? She's staring into the corner. I just want her to leave me alone. We need to get some rest. Okay. And that's when Sarah Michelle Geller turns around and starts seeing um, Kayoko, the ghost at this point. Like the hair coming out of the corner, the fucking like the figure and all that stuff like that, and then it comes down and freaks and then jump scares Sarah Michelle Geller. Now, and why don't you out. think? The, why didn't Kayoko kill her right there? I don't know. Because if she was alone before any of this else would have happened. You know, it could have just ended the job right then. Well, maybe Kayoko's got to recharge from because. In the timeline that we find out, didn't she? She just had killed the husband and wife. Somebody get that ghost an ecto cooler. Yeah, she She's needs low to, you know, build back up. I don't think there's any kind of thing. Like that. <laughs> I think this is a plot. This is a plot issue yeah. where they just kind of like, well, we can't kill her now, or else we'd be done. So, cut to, I want to say maybe an hour or two later, the boss who she called earlier yeah. to basically say, "There's a kid in the closet." He comes in. He's like, "Karen, are you here? Hello." And then he's walking into the room where Emma is laying down and Karen is in the corner, like freaking the fuck out. Like she is like scared out of her mind. And at that point, the boss is like, oh my God. And then it like cuts to cops at the location. That's what we get introduced to okay. the detective. I got to be honest, man. Like you're, you, I'm glad that you know the direction this plot goes because I was kind of bored with it. And I've it like, I just watched it and kind of forgot what the hell happened in, yeah. in sequential order. Well, I, that's I, actually a big complaint about the Japanese one. It's, it's even more confusing. The cuts and the timing and everything like that, you 
you get lost so easily in the Japanese one. It didn't feel like there was a good sense of pace. Even though I actually do like this movie and I would recommend it. Um, I think it's like the empty calories of movies. Like I just watched it and I even texted Mark while I watched it. I was like, I really like that movie. And then two days later, I cannot really remember very much about it except for like a handful of scenes. It just sort of washes through your mind. The grudge holds no nutritional value. Zero. Um, That's it, very true. You know, if I, I'm actually really good at like remembering plots. I have like a really good memory when it comes to movie plots and stuff yeah. like that for the most part, except for character names, evidently. <laughs> um, but yes, I I watched this movie when it came out in theaters. And I'll tell you guys a story about that theater situation later on. Okay. But um, yeah, this you're right. This movie does not stick with you in any form or fashion Mm-mm. because I'm I'm sitting here saying this, and as I'm saying, I'm like, is that right? And yeah. I'm like second guessing everything in the plot. I pretty much remember three things about it. I remember the great sound. I think that croaking sound is a really good horror yeah, sound. The ghosts, the ghosts make a croaking noise, or they scream like cats. I yeah. hate that croaking noise. That every time I heard that in the movie, like I was sitting up on the couch, like no make it stop yeah it's very terrifying it really fucked me up and that's actually the director making that noise with his mouth oh yeah he did a great job at it um and then i remember keoku uh coming up across that lady's bed oh yeah that was a really good scene because everyone it it sort of flips i think the uh expectations right because when you're a little kid you're like i'm gonna go under the covers and then like she saw this lady um we'll eventually get to this part in the plot in about two hours at the rate we're going (laughs) (laughs) um she like hides her head under the covers and then there's the monster crawling up that was freaking terrifying yeah what character was that that? sister sister yeah they bring her in just to kill her sister yeah so um that's one thing so back to the plot um as there as sarah michelle geller as karen is like going to the house um there's the answering machine and the phone rings and the one time she makes a good i'm not a resident of this home she doesn't choose to answer the phone and then she right. notices that the when handset's arguably not there. as an employee that's the one thing she probably should have exactly. done <laughs> so yes. the sister calls and is like hey she i'm needs trying more to- she needs more on hands training i think before <laughs> she we- was not ready she was right she yeah. was not ready no. for this so the sister calls um matthew and his wife She's like, hey, I've been trying to get a hold of you guys. I'm trying to check on mom. Where are you? I haven't heard from you. Give me a call back and let me know what's going on. As Sarah Michelle Gellar standing around before she gets scared out of her mind. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we set the expectation that the sister is involved. Um, cut to the detectives on site looking around. They're like, okay, what happened here? They're talking to the boss who's like, well, she's only a temporary employee doing this. Yoko, who's normally assigned to this house, has also gone missing. And the detective's like, well, how long has she been missing? And the boss is like, for like 24 hours. Yeah, he's got her bike outside. We didn't think much of it. I just really, really want to say that it is very clear cut who the detective is versus the cops because they are wearing 1920s beige <laughs> trench coat, like every version of a detective you've ever heard of in every, every film noir story. I don't understand his purpose in the film. If you, t- if you cut that detective character out, the film film would play exactly the same except be like 10 minutes shorter well he's supposed to piece together the backstory of kayoko and the the, the so sarah michelle geller kind of is the one that does yeah, that in this she detects movie. all that but in the japanese <laughs> one he actually has a much bigger role in the plot uh, and okay. stuff like that but it's also very convoluted does plot. he also wear a trench coat 
I don't remember. Because at the end of this film, when they introduce another detective, he's wearing the same trench coat. <laughs> Standard issue when you become a detective. Mark had a real problem with trench coats here. Trench coats no, and I, alarms. My, no, I brought up the clock. I brought up the trench coat because I don't think whoever was in charge of props and costumes did a good job. They're like, oh, did you say detective? I know what those look like. And they go get a dumb yeah. trench coat from But at least they didn't give him like a fedora. They were one step away, dude. That's all they needed. And I would have been like, you got you it, know? guy. You He's did. a hard drinking detective type. So the cops and the detective go up into the crawl space, Garrett. Continue. Yes, they go up to the crawl space because they hear a noise in the closet like everyone else before. Right. They, they see a book. Sarah Michelle Gellar earlier when she sees the boy uh, in the closet finds a little journal. Yeah. And then she has that on her person's anyway that'll Does come back Does not think later. it's important to tell the police about at all. She's no, like, I'm just going to keep this for myself. So anyway, cut back to where the cops are investigating the house after all this shit's gone down. Um, they go up into the crawl space and there is Matthew and his wife dead up inside the crawl yeah. space. That was a good scene because they look horrified and they look like they've been there a while, but it's only been like a couple hours. Scared, it was really well done. the fuck done. out of me. I was yeah. just like, oh my God, no. Emma, the mother who's uh, suffering and being taken care of, Matthew, uh, her son and uh, his wife are dead in the attic. Right. Yes. And then there's like a jaw, just a random There's a random jaw, jaw laying there. And that's actually kind of like back to what we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. There's a jaw and they're like, whose is this? Yeah, it's and just an like, extra jaw. Uh, we don't know. Yoko's body is not there. Nope. Yoko, who was killed earlier, who was also in the crossways, is not there. And that'll come back later. So anyway, we cut to... Um, is this where we go back in time? Yes. So at that point, actually, no, right before the cops show up. So when uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar is first scared. Yeah. We cut to a flashback. God, this movie is cut so right. weird. But there's no indication that it's a flashback. It's just a new scene, new day. Yes, we cut to Bill Pullman, his wife, uh, Emma, the mother, and a Japanese realtor couple, a man and woman, going to the same house that this movie's taken place in so far. And they're they're basically looking at it like, this will be perfect. We'll take it. Yeah. Wait, wait. No, it's Matthew. Bill, Bill Pullman was not in this scene. This was uh, uh, Matthew and the Jennifer. sister. And the wife, along with Emma, moving into the house. They're seeing the house for the first time. They're about I thought to Bill move Pullman, in. Bill Pullman no. was a professor. Yeah. That's yeah. right. He's, oh, he's God not. damn this movie. Yeah, Bill <laughs> Pullman not involved. We cut back in time to when they all, they all being Matthew, uh, Jennifer, sister, moved to Japan. And they're like, oh, yeah, mom could just lay on a mattress right here. And, <laughs> and it's going through like a day in the life of what's it like to live in Japan. And the uh, Jennifer, you know, she doesn't speak the language. She can't find it anything she's trying to go grocery shopping and that's actually a kind of cute scene she has to like open it up and smell to see and she's like all right this smells all right and buys like 10 of those so they're buying this house and like and this is actually before they kind of do the day in the life thing they're buying this house and the the man realtor goes into this bathroom sees a tub of water full of water and then reaches in to unplug it and gets his hand grabbed by something oh, yeah, from inside that, the dark yeah. water and then the guy walks in, uh, Matthew walks in, is like, we'll take it. And the realtor just kind of looks at him like, cool. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. don't mention that at all. He's not and wasting a sale. In moment one, Emma, the mother, knows that some shit is happening. Oh, yeah. She's she, already staring at the ceiling yeah. like something crazy is going on. She's upstairs looking at the attic area like, okay. So and I don't is, know how is, she knows that, but she just she seems just to in her know state, it. she's more sensitive to yeah. the supernatural or something. She Maybe. seems to have like a EMP. Kind of thing going on, but it on. is revealed later in the plot that um, ESP, this is ESP. the f- this is the first family to move into the house after the grizzly murders. Correct, right. correct. So anyway, the day in the life, you basically kind of get that, and then it cuts back to Sarah Michelle Geller. No, no, there's another scene that's kind of oh quasi important, right? Because it's Jennifer; she's fallen asleep. She had cooked up her noodles. She fell asleep, 
And uh, then she hears like a ruckus, wakes up, and the mom's still just comatose on the mattress, and all her shits everywhere. The noodles falling over, and then she just yells at this poor uh, invalid. Invalid, thank you, old lady. Like, if you want something, just ask. It's like there's no way that she crawled over, knocked over your noodles, and crawled all the way back in the three seconds it took you to open your eyes. But yeah. Yeah. she's not very so perceptive. We, so we get a hint that some shits going down in the house, and then we cut back to <laughs> we cut back. To the detectives. That's when we go back to the detectives at the house. That's when the, the boss comes over the first time. God, this plot. Um, so It's get very the, convoluted. Cut to, you know, fuck all this. We cut to the police. They basically go upstairs. They find the dead bodies. Yep. Then we cut to Sarah Michelle Geller in a hospital, like kind of being let out in Doug's custody. Uh, and he's like, are you okay? She's like, I'll be fine. Nobody should be in Doug's custody. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I'll be fine. You know, I'll, I'll figure it out. Blah, blah, blah. And so like, She's going back to work the next day or a couple days later. Again, time and space well, are a mystery. she surprises him, in though. Doesn't she come to his job? And he's like, what are you doing here? You should be resting in the hospital. And she's like... She didn't want to be alone. Yeah, she's like, I just need to be with someone. And then he like left his... his, his went to his boss and he's like, I don't know, my girlfriend's crazy. Can I go? And he was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, he's like, straight up, let him leave. Yeah. He was in mid-shift uh, <laughs> for the day at his, his restaurant he worked yeah, in. And it didn't like, seem like he was telling him the whole story. Like, look, this really serious thing Thing happened in my life he was just like three sentences and he was like yeah get out of here yo my gal's here can i bounce yeah okay. I, I assume that's what he said um and and then I, they get on a bus so this <laughs> right here garrett's favorite scene of all time is something that i struggle with in horror movies is when faces or um forms or anything like that appear in translucent windows or glass or on the backs of doors like that scene in the exorcist when they close the door and that face is kind of like superimposed mm-hmm. on it mm-hmm. that kind of stuff messes me up in a way that like because i you know i occasionally will catch things out of the corner of my eye and i swear that's what that that is <laughs> it's not obviously but so i'm in the theater it's opening night so the trailers are playing for this and everyone's like we're gonna go see it and i'm like of course we're not gonna go see this i'm not dumb i'm not gonna go see this in the theater will we go see it in the theater the theater is packed. Were you on a date? No. This was actually okay. just some of my friends being assholes and dragging me to okay. a movie <laughs> that I shouldn't have been to. Uh, it was my roommate and my friend Brian. Uh, so it was Vanessa, Brian, and uh, a couple of people. But anyway, we're there. The place is packed. That's I'm already kind of freaked out from what I've seen in this movie. That scene plays out on the bus where she's sitting there, and all of a sudden, um, Kayoko's face pops up in the window next to her yeah. and then disappears really quick. At that point in the movie, movie everyone jumps... And I stand up and be like, fuck this, I'm out. And I don't realize how loud I say it, but I evidently say it pretty loud. And I'm like, excuse me, excuse me, trying to get people's legs out of the way. Mm. The entire theater erupts in laughter at me. Brian grabs my shirt and he's like, sit down. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm out of here. I'm not fucking around. I'm out of here. And I'm like yelling this at him at this point. <laughs> like I'm trying to get out of this theater. Like, I am done. The whole place is not watching the movie. They're watching me make a fool out of myself. Eventually, Brian talks me into sitting down, and every time something starts getting intense at the theater, like where something's about to happen, everyone would turn around in their seat and kind of look back at me like, is he going to freak out again? It was the most embarrassing fucking thing ever, but I had, I, was, I had enough. That was my point in that movie. But anyway, so that shit happens in the is mirror. Is this the first time you've seen the full film then? Yes. This is the very first time I had ever seen it. Interesting. At the theater, opening night. No, I mean now, now that we're talking about it. Oh, you- yeah. This is the first time I watched it since then. Okay. I have not watched it since then. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so she's on the bus. She sees that, um, and then what? I think next she just goes back to work, right? Yeah, I really cannot remember what happened after oh, no, the no, bus. I know what happens. Okay. Yeah, tell us, Mark. 
we are now uh, now that Ma- now that Matthew and wife are dead. I'm sorry. I think it's Jennifer. Jennifer Matthew and yeah. Jennifer are dead. The house has been closed down. We now uh, flash to another part of Tokyo um, where the sister is. Oh, this and is my favorite part of the movie, and I forgot about it. Yeah. So now we're we're uh, day in a life of sister, right? She's calling. She's been calling Matthew the whole time, trying to get a hold of him. He's not answering his phone. She's freaking out because she doesn't know what's going on. And at her place of work, the phone of Matthew starts to ring. Did we go right? back in time again? I think this happens after they're dead. Okay. This happens after they're dead, yes. So at some point, the ghost is now using the cell phone to call the sister. I like to imagine her trying to figure it out. Like, what is the passcode? <laughs> <laughs> Speed dial number two. There she is. Finally, croak. <laughs> croak. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to make that noise. I'd probably do it poorly. Um, so now it's it's about her. She's starting to get haunted. Um, she's going in like a stair- stairwell or a car park or something. Yeah, right? I think she's like, All right, I'm leaving work. So she goes to the stairs to leave and she sees Kayoko and she freaks out, which is the right behavior That's to do. Correct response. Um, and so she runs to the like security station and then I feel so bad. This like, he runs in and this like, I don't know, maybe he's 12. They have like a child on security. <laughs> and a young they, security yeah. guard. And they do a real good job because they put him in like a real big ill-fitting costume. It was probably his first day on the force. Yeah. And... She's like, help me, help me, help me. And he's like, all right, what's going on? And she's like, I don't know, some crazy shit. And he's like, all right, let me get my flashlight. And she's watching from the security feed. Yeah, such a great scene. He goes out to check out the the occurrence going on. And on on tape, on camera, you see a black hole appear on the ground. And Kyoko, not Kyoko. um, Yeah, it's Kyoko. That's Kyoko. Oh, you're thinking Yoko. Yoko, that's later. So a black hole opens up in the ground and Kyoko comes out and it is now on tape. And it was this point that I say, why don't they copy this tape, run to the nearest news station and put it on and be like, look, proof of the supernatural. And they'd be like, get this edited garbage out of here. Like, this is clearly Photoshop. Yeah, because then she like glitchy walks. She doesn't just like pop up. She like glitchy walks to the camera and like puts her face up to it. And that's yeah. actually a huge difference between the Japanese and the American one. And the Japanese one, they don't do the fast, super like menacing glitchy walks and stuff like that. They just kind of slowly lumber towards things. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Interesting. the American one is much scarier in that aspect. Yeah, that was a really solid scene. And, oh, it freaked me the hell out. And then the um, so she takes off and goes home. Right? Do we find out what happened to the security guard? No. Oh, poor guy. Because oh no, the cops show up, don't they? Because the, the one of the detectives in the in the beige yes. coats watches yeah. the tape. Yes. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Okay. So he goes to check it out, and then um, he actually grabs the security tape and takes it back to his office, but. We cut to the sister going back to her apartment at that point. Right. And she's actually pretty smart. I got to tell her that, that, like, she runs upstairs, she locks everything, and she's like, whew, this is some crazy shit. And then she gets, I mean, she's pretty smart to a point. Because then she gets a phone call, and it's Matthew. And she's like, oh, I've been trying to fucking call you. And he's like, surprise, I'm right outside. Hey, I don't remember where you live, though. She's like, oh, Matthew, I live in, here's my apartment number. She's like, I'm going to buzz you in, you idiot. Yeah. Um, and it's like, some weird shit's happening to you. Do you really think your brother just forgot where you lived? Like, yeah, no, it, it did, definitely was one of those things. Like, there's so many red flags for her. Yeah. But at the same time, maybe you're you're so freaked out, you're not thinking. True, straight. and maybe he always forgets. I mean, they didn't really give a lot of backstory, but in that moment, it's like, that's a really stupid thing to do. Yeah, I and mean, then, the ghost was able to find her in her cubicle at work. Why couldn't she right. find what room also, she lived in? If they had seen, if the ghost had seen Wreck, she would have known to look at the mailboxes. <gasps> Ooh. So, 
That's a ghost to ghost hint here from the grave talk. Being better ghosts, scare better. Ghost tip uh, number one. Yeah. Um, so then, like, in a flash of an eye, she hears her doorbell ring, and she's like, she even goes like, hmm, that's a little weird. That's a little too fast. Yeah, but then she uses her, pretty cool, to be honest, especially in 2004, little security camera, like door security camera, and there's Matthew just standing there. So she opens the door and surprised nobody was there. So she panics. She closes the door, locks everything up and jumps in her bed. And it's too late. She let the grudge in. Right. So apparently grudge can't go through doors. Or oh, it needs yeah. to be invited in like vampires. But if she okay. wasn't invited in, she just opened the door. Oh, she didn't true. say come Good in. Good point. Maybe she yeah. can open doors. So step one, if you're haunted by a grudge, just close the door. That's true because the kid can't get out of the closet either. Right. So yo, just doors. The natural enemy of the grudge. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We now know how to protect ourselves from grudges. Barricade and lock yourself in. So then she runs into her bed, and that's where the scene I had talked about, where it's too late. Uh, Kyoko is just crawling up her bed and uh, presumably kills her. Yes, that was scary as shit, though, because yeah. she sees like a little like like small mound at the foot of her bed slowly working its way up, and then she lifts up the cover slowly, which I'm I'm sorry. like Just watching that gave me chills. I was like... Because I, you'd want to know what it is. At yeah. the same time, like part of it would be so terrified to even look. I'd be like, no, if anything's coming up my covers like that, I almost don't want to know. She really sold that scene. Yes. I, that that whole section of the movie, I thought, was probably the best part. I so, can agree with that. So she gets yeah. killed, and then we cut to the detective who went and got the security tape from when the security guard got killed. Yep. Um, and then he has this tape and he puts it in the VCR. And the moment that happened, I was like, I would love for nothing more than this tape to be the fucking video from The Ring. You Crossover. He just plays it in. Like, he just puts it in. It's like, oh, and he's got seven days to live. Man, that would have been amazing. But yeah, instead, that's too he many actually, ghosts for one detective to uh, deal yo, with. One ghost. I don't even think this detective could no. catch like a jaywalker. Here's so. what happens. <laughs> is one, After he watches the tape and now he's got to deal with uh, ring lady and the grudge lady, that's when he gets his fedora because oh, now he means business. Oh, my it. God, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it, Mark. So he watches this tape, sees the ghost, sees Kyoko. And then at the same time, cut to, I don't exactly know when this fits in, but Sarah Michelle Gellar is like doing research just yeah. to find out what happened in that house. Classic research montage. Before we get to that point, it goes back to the caregiver uh, headquarters where Ivan Ramey. I thought that was after this. He finally reveals what happened to Yoko. No, it happens at night. So it must be the same night that the it's sister okay, gets killed. So it's the same night. Yes. So he goes back to the the. The, His little the place workplace, yeah. The he's just closing up. Care, yeah. Caregivers, um, and there's he's going to the office, and he hears some noises. Turns around, and he sees a dead Yoko slur, well, slowly. Well, he doesn't know. He, he doesn't sees, know. He sees a woman who looks he's, like Yoko shuffling across the floor. For a woman in obvious distress, he is really confused about it. He's like Yoko. He's also way too calm. Yeah, he's like she's covered in blood. Yeah, there's there's no. She he sees the blood dripping to the floor. Well, he yeah. sees something dripping, and I'm hey. sorry, I don't care if you see piles of uh, something wet dripping from someone who's walking just assume it's blood regardless of what it is she's in obvious distress she's moaning and just shuffling, shuffling. real slow and it's like you go help her and, and that would like, have been a yoko? dumb thing to do because we know it's yoko but as a human being you'd probably go rush to aid this person not just stand there and say her name like seven times or turn times. on a goddamn light yes that too <laughs> so he goes down he's like she's still shuffling into the wall at this point like a yeah. fucking like robot that's like on batteries like walking into the wall and they only gave anywhere. him one line which is yoko Yoko. He reaches down, touches the puddle that she's left, realizes it's blood. He goes, Yoko? Like, concerned. Like, at that point, you need to be really concerned. 
And then she turns around and she's got no jaw. Yeah, it's a really well crafted scene. It was scene. so gory. It was we found so... the owner of the jaw. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Yoko has no jaw, and then Yoko attacks the uh, the boss, and he gets killed. And do they ever mention him dying? No, I don't no. Think so. Because that, that shit gets crazy. From maybe there, it's mentioned but... in passing at some point, yeah. but like he's dead at that point. In what? the Japanese one, you find out that the spirit can actually possess people. Like, you can actually possess bodies. It possessed Yoko. But I think that's in the second one. I think that's in the sequel okay. you learn that it can actually kind of possess bodies. But, so that's what it did. It possessed Yoko to go back and get the boss. Okay. Now, I don't understand this. Is it anybody who walks in the house is then tainted and can be killed? Yeah. Or is it can just go after... Because I don't know if the sister... No, it's very confusing. Yeah. Come in? I guess the sister, you could be like, okay... Maybe she, she came before. She wants to kill the family members oh, of... Like they bought the house. Right. So, okay. But, well, remember the opening text says, those who encounter it will be consumed by its yeah. fury. Yeah, so it's just so going in the house. even con- interacts with the, the garage... Yeah. ...can just basically then be Except marked. Except for our, our hard-boiled detective. Well, he, he seems was, okay. He was sort of. He, well, he was gets sort of it. marked. Yeah. He gets oh, it. He gets okay. drowned by the little boy in the bathtub. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. Man, he does get right everybody. Right before we do a flashback, well, there's a, there's a flashback of something where we watch a cat being drowned in the yeah, fucking bathtub, un- which, <laughs> fuck you guys again. The father kills the cat. Bro, we father, don't make these movies. Yes. Just throwing this out so there. So, in, in this, all this stuff that's going down, at that point, Sarah Michelle Gellar and the detective are kind of doing their own research, uncovering the fact that there was a grisly murder at this house. And Sarah Michelle Gellar is doing the thing that I love doing is when we get footage of people on the internet. <laughs> It's right. Doing it their their Google searches, but this was 2004, so it was probably pre-Google. It's probably like, what, Yahoo.com? No, Google com? already existed. Yeah. Okay. I think Google came out in 1998. That was actually so. a fake search engine, because if you look at it, there's it a lot look, of errors. Like where it says oh. images, images is misspelled, yeah. and there's also a couple other things. And I want to thank you, Sandra Bullock, for bringing us the net. I love fake computer screens, though. I could really <laughs> just look at them all day, because they're always so insane. And this was definitely but, a thing that was done in the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. Like, we had to have that scene of the, the, Cyber the character... Surfing. Figuring out the plot, right? We still have montage scenes. It seems like it's gone full circle now. Now people go back to the library to be like, oh, "Oh, this is some deep shit. We need to get to microfilm, you know? Break out the microfiche. Uh, You know what I'm discovering as we talk about this movie? It is a movie of good scenes, but it is not a good movie. They are really good individual set pieces sprinkled throughout this film, but then all the interconnective sort of tissue is just trash. Well, there's talk that a lot of people said if this movie was edited differently, it could actually have been a really solid. And yeah. it's, the American one is edited and more cohesive than the Japanese one. It's like they tried to... If It's like they had a bunch of movies and then just put pieces together like Legos from... And then they just Lego built this movie. So there's some yeah. great things and then a lot of just misses. So let's run this thing to the yeah. end. So Sarah Michelle Gellar figures out, oh, someone this happened to somebody else. So she goes to talk to Bill Pullman's wife, who is just at home from what I can tell, but is just dressed to the nines. I mean, she looks it's like the middle of the day and she looks like she is just going to go out and she has like a weird New Jersey accent. I don't it's like they picked up a character from Jersey Shore and dropped it in the grudge movie. Maybe. I would love this movie that was Snooky. <laughs> yeah, it's like it feels that way. Maybe that actress was in the middle of filming something else and she only had ten minutes to do a quick grudge reshoot. Yeah, or it was really bizarre and she's like, you know, I, I have nothing to tell you. Well Geller found a 
a picture of Bill Pullman in the uh, Yoko's house. Yeah. Which led her in down the, the journal. Path. In the journal. And then she the starts journal. seeing Yoko yes. all over the place. And she's like, oh, and right. she saw that uh, Yoko had written Kyoko. the name. Kayoko. Kayoko. Right. Yoko. Yes, yes. Right. Sorry. She Not regular Kayoko, Yoko. The, the woman who, the wife who's dead. Yes. She keeps seeing Kayoko everywhere. Not Team Yoko, Yoko. <laughs> the okay. evil one. Yeah. And she had written the name Peter over and over in the journal. She'd been fantasizing about being with him. And Peter was Bill Pullman, the professor. Correct. Yes. And that's where we get our story information. So you realize that she, Kiyoko, had an affair with Bill well, Pullman. No. Wait, it wasn't she an wanted she was an stalking affair. Him. Yeah, she oh. wanted so badly to be with him, and that's when the husband finds the journal and murders the family. Oh, I thought she got that dick. No, right? Yeah, oh, she okay. was. She wanted. That's like, why he, he was, looks so baffled, stumbling yeah. around. Uh, Bill Pullman shows up to the house to confront her about her weird stalkerness. Oh, he, that's right. Because she'd right. been writing him letters over and over and over again, and he's he had, like, like this a stack of them. And the husband's yeah. like, "What the fuck is going on?" And then basically, like, yeah, yeah. So kills when, everybody. When Bill Pill- Bill Pullman. Bill, P- Bill Pillman. Bill Pillman. <laughs> we just call him Bill P and then we're good. When Bill shows I'm just going to say Peter. That's his Peter name. Peter is his when name. When Peter shows up to the house of the, the grudgeoning, um, <laughs> he finds all these photos of him and realizes what happens. He finds the dead body, the husband swinging in the, uh, the banister mm-hmm. area. Uh, the kid has been drowned. The cat has been drowned. And Yoko's dead. While Geller was doing her research, she's going through the photos of Bill Pullman's house. Hey, Yoko's dead, not Yoko. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. The Sorry. Grudging. No, you're right. When the grudgeoning is going the on. The original family that got killed. Yes, right. Yes. Um, M- M- Sarah Michelle Geller, when she's talking to New Jersey, uh, Bill <laughs> Pullman's wife, she sees that the, the, the ghost is in every single photo in their house. Yeah. Yoko She's is the always there somehow. So Kayoko. Kayoko is always there. Kayoko. Yoko is dead. Yoko is not even in the yes. picture when this is going Kayoko. on. K- Kayoko. Kayoko had been stalking yes. Bill Pullman for quite some time. And in Bill Pullman's house, she's in the photos that he has in little portraits, little Yeah, just frames, always hidden. Which I thought was pretty creepy. And that's when you're like, oh, man, this this woman is deranged. Yeah. So then Sarah Michigala was like, all right, we need to burn the house down. The best decision yes. anyone's made in this movie. She's Almost. Like, the detective shows up and he says goes they to made the it house. to save the house. No, he, that's at the end of the movie. So yeah, no, this this detective shows up. He thinks Toshiro's drowning. He goes to try to save him in the same bathtub from earlier. Yep. And the kid pulls him in and drowns the detective. Right. So yes. the de- t- detective dies. All the loose ends are getting cleaned then, up. And yeah, Sarah, Sarah Michelle, Michelle Geller's like, I know what's going yeah. on. She figures this all out. And again, the backstory about Kayoko, Toshiro, the husband, and um, Peter, Bill Pullman, mm. Bull Pillman, um, <laughs> basically that's all summed up kind of in a flashback and also to the research of the detective and Sarah yeah. Michelle Geller. So the detective goes back and is like, okay, you know, I'm going to, he gets killed, basically yeah. doing his research. Same time, Sarah Michelle Geller is like, I figured this out. You know what we need to do? Burn this motherfucker burn down. A really solid idea. So she goes to burn down the house and... Don't forget Doug has shown up in the house also. Doug has yes. shown up out of nowhere. Her, yeah. uh, what so has Doug been doing this whole time? It's just dicking around, you know? <laughs> he so. realized that she might be in some... Maybe he saw her online research or something and he was like, I gotta go to the house and help. Who knows why Doug shows yeah. up, but Doug shows up... And just Doug's gets, it all up, man. <laughs> he gets like, it. attacked by the, the ghost and gets knocked down on the ground. He gets scared and he's got that comatose... Yeah crazy face because Doug goes because he thinks Sarah Michelle Gellar's at the house he goes gets scared Sarah Michelle Gellar sees Doug and is like oh my god Doug are you okay she's like helping him out and that's when you see Kayoko and at this point this is the climax of the movie yeah everything's going to hell at this point right Kayoko 
starts crab walking down the stairs all creepily. Another great scene. And that actress really did that. She actually was a contortionist. That's wow. That crazy. walk was original. That was not CG. Wow. Maybe some of the jerky stuff yeah. may have been edited, but like she did that walk down the stairs. That's herself. very impressive. And um, yeah, so she basically is like, fuck it. The Kaoka's like, I'm going to kill Sarah Michelle Geller and Doug at this point. Sarah Michelle Geller kicks over a giant like jug of gasoline that she brought with her to burn the house down. <laughs> Starts the fire and then cuts to... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mark. The detective brought the gasoline to burn the house down. The detective... Down. Okay, I thought she did. Yeah. God, this fucking movie, man. He, so, that was his purpose of going so back to the home. They, he both, thought, they both kind of decided we just need to burn this the, thing to the ground. Why did none of them think to just burn it from the outside? Fun fact about fires. You don't have to be in the house to start one. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to do some more detection on what happens when a fire is lit. He's a detective, not a firefighter. <laughs> fair That's enough. fair. He's in the so anyway, Sarah Michelle Geller kicks over the, the gas can that was brought by the detective who's dead at this point. Right. As she's being attacked by the ghost, she opens up a Zippo, throws it into the fire. The whole place starts burning. And you think, okay, everything's done. Yeah. Cut to... Hospital. Hospital. Where a detective and a doctor are talking, he's like... Fresh new detective. Remember the other today? Yes. detective. Uh, don't worry. His, they gave him the trench coat. Yes, he's got a trench coat. He's like, yeah, we managed to save the house. It, we, we stopped it before it burned down. Which I entirely missed the first time I watched it. Oh, because yeah? Because I was... If you do not read the, the subtitles correctly, there's only one line that says, we managed to save the house. And then... It cuts to Sarah Michelle Geller looking at Doug's dead body. How Doug did they it. save the house? How? It's all paper and have, wood. And she set it on fire with gasoline. Maybe they got there fast enough. I assume the firemen put it out. Yeah. I, I mean, I, wow. So I assume are, in tight quarters like, you know, Tokyo and stuff like that, they've got a pretty good and perhaps, but, like, fire whew, department. That's a great fire department. because. And by doing so, the grudgeoning continues. Right. Yes. Yeah, so they, they, Sarah Michelle Geller's efforts to, to burn it down and end the whole thing doesn't happen. And then the grudge, the Kayoko and that whole evil menacing spirit get to keep doing the thing that they do. In a fucking movie. God, it was so complicated. I apologize to all the listeners for having to listen to us stumble through that thing like blind children in a minefield. Yeah. Like you said at the beginning, you got to remember that this movie was cut in such a way where it was going flashback, normal time, flashback, different cast. It's it's confusing to watch. It was like if Pulp Fiction were done by a child. (laughs) (laughs) One could argue that it maybe was. Toshiro, did you cut this? (laughs) 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 Yeah. Mark, that was a terrible Dick Dale in the Dale. Whatever that band's yeah, name is. Yeah, I didn't do Dick Dale and his Deltones of Justice. Yeah, there you go. Anyway. Man, so, yeah, so that is that is the grudge. And to be fair, it's better than the Japanese one, in my opinion, because the monsters is are scary. That oh, was yes. going to be my question. Yes. Which one's better? The American one is much better. And mm-hmm. I I know I'll probably get a lot of flack from some I people know, about that. I know that seems to be the consensus when I was reading online. Most but people the, say the grudge is much the, better. The uh, the demons and the monsters are much scary, much more menacing. They move and look in such a way that it's like you're really kind of scared before they're like just kind of lumbering like, oh my God, you can't stop them kind of thing. I'd love to see the difference in budget. I wonder if that's because they pump some it's more cash. Much bigger, much bigger, bigger budget in the American one. Okay. Um, the... Um, the pacing, they don't, there's all, all these characters have much more convoluted backstories and some of them are pretty, pretty cool. Like you like, oh, that's cool. That explains about, more about the, the detective. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole relationship between Doug and um, Karen, Sarah Michelle Gellar's mm-hmm. character, um, that was added to the American one. So that's kind of pointlessly unneeded, but that's Just added like Doug. to the American. Yeah, there you yeah. go. There were whole characters you could cut out of this movie and it would play exactly the same. Sign one that your movie's a little complicated. Right. But yeah, so th- 
I think honestly, if they had just had some title cards being like five days ago, or you know, previously, or anything that basically given a hint when the cuts happen, if you're if you're paying attention, you can figure it out pretty quick. But some of those cuts and some of those jumps are so jarring, yeah. you can't. You, it takes you out of the moment. You're like, wait, where the fuck am I? It what am I doing? It is less confusing when you're actually watching the movie than trying to explain it, but it does ruin the pacing. I think the pacing of the movie is all over the place because it builds up a lot of tension and then it just cuts to some, you know, someone smelling noodles in a fucking Mm -hmm. grocery store. Cool, but it's just out of place. Yeah. 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 I have two questions before we get to the grave mistake of this film. I think we all agree on what that is. Uh, (laughs) Actually, I had a different idea going in, but you've changed my, my, my opinion. Are we supposed to be sympathetic with these ghosts? Because I feel like they try to portray him as such, but the fact that, Kyoko was such a stalker. I have yeah. no empathy for her. Well, I think it depends on the tragedy. Tra- oh my God. There's a word the there. The trajectory. The tragedy <laughs> that uh, creates the grudge. Because you can imagine a situation where it's someone who had uh, a real terrible like thing happen to them and then became this uh, this entity that's trying to get revenge. In which case, you're like, all right, maybe that makes sense. But that's true. But at the same time, is is I also don't really feel a lot of empathy for Toshiro. I know he was drowned by his father, and that is tragic. But the fact is, they're still murdering people after the fact. So I just lost all empathy for them in the, to begin fair. with. Fair. You know that's I fair. Mean? I agree. I think I don't know if it's supposed to be so much of it. We're supposed to feel for the the ghosts and stuff. I think we're supposed to kind of basically be like, oh, that's how that was created. I think that's more of like just kind of like a FYI, yeah. as opposed okay. to a you should care about these. These are the actual. Characters. I just didn't know if the film was setting them up to make me want to be empathetic. I think towards it's them or a, not. a I think case it's open of like to what you feel. Yeah, like it's okay. knowing why someone is evil without saying, oh yeah, they're not evil. It's just maybe helping you understand this mm. is why this person became the evil. Gotcha. Little okay. kid that he did. I guess that makes sense. Um, my other question for you is why did Bill Pullman kill himself? I think it was grudge related. Because he just walked in and saw dead people and then threw himself off a bed. I think, I think it was because he... Say, I don't know if it was because he was being haunted by Kyoko's spirit at that point or if he just felt like responsible for the murder of both of them because... But he wasn't responsible. No, I know, he had nothing yeah, to no. do with it. But what you have here is a classic GRH, grudge-related homicide. <laughs> <laughs> As the detective would All tell you. the GRH squad. Uh, I think the weight of the guilt that maybe he logically you could see where he didn't have you know the reason to feel guilty but as a human you probably are going to feel guilty combined with i think there was some early stage haunting going on like a level one haunting if you will well the thing is if she was fucking stalking that dude in real life imagine what she could do as a spirit right i feel like she's all over that dude like i feel like she's like oh boy yo we're never going to be apart i think i just maybe would have liked to see uh some of his his torment and torture if that's the case if this movie were better i would agree with you but if you add in another (laughs) storyline into this movie no no we we cut out the doug entirely and then we focus on bill pormon being uh haunted okay we don't spend a lot of time with doug anyway though i feel like you're you're I, I agree with I don't need John a lot. on this one. I feel I like, you know, attacking anything else into this mix is... I don't think we need a lot of Bill Pullman being haunted. I just wanted to see a hint of it. All he did was walk through her house, see the actual dead bodies, and then Or even have himself. Bill Pullman's wife explain, like, what happened right. or something. Yeah, she yeah. could have been like... a piece of backstory. He was acting strange. He said he was seeing ghosts. Anything. Any just little hint. If he would have basically said, like, before he jumped over the balcony, like, I just want her to leave me alone and mimic what Emma was saying... Oh, that would have been That would have been a great tie-in. Like, if uh, yeah. characters who were, like, basically being harassed by this ghost were just like, I want her to leave me alone. But, yeah. Now, there's a couple cool things about this movie that I thought were interesting. Um, so, they rebuilt the house in a soundstage 
mm-hmm. um, like I said, for the American one. But as a sign of respect, everyone still had to take their shoes off before they walked through the house. Oh, interesting. So just like cause in, the, in the Japanese one, they did that during the filming to be respectful yeah. of the Huge house. Huge in Asian culture. You take your shoes yeah. off anytime you enter a home. They yes. even mentioned that in the grudge. There is a scene that kind of like yeah. points that out. Because she was like, even sh- in my own home? And they're like, yeah. Yeah. During the shooting, they specifically, um, like when they filmed, they, they took their shoes off before they walked on the set and stuff like that. They even <laughs> had it blessed with a little like thing before they started so no one would get the bad juju on <laughs> Get them. grudged. Uh, I did find out that Sarah Michelle Gellar was allergic to the water that they use during the shower shower scene. She actually has like black trash bags around her waist down, um, and she has a tube top on. Why wouldn't they just use regular water? I I, I think they actually built the sound studio in Tokyo, like in Japan. I think it was like they built this on a sound stage. Some chemical in the water. I guess the water's different somehow, but like she was allergic to it. Evidently, I found that out like doing some research. I was like, "Holy shit, that's crazy!" But yeah, it made her skin like break out and do all this crazy stuff. For the love of the craft, she's gonna (laughs) get it done. So, yeah, let's talk about what we thought the grave mistake of the film is. I think you can kind of tell where we're going to go with it. But going in, um, my idea was that a PG-13 rating, I didn't think it was great. I thought maybe we could have ratcheted it up a little more with an R rating. Maybe would that make it more interesting? But what would they have done? Just added more gore? And yeah. Stuff? Like that's, that would have added more, anything to the movie. I do believe there are times where a PG-13 movie handcuffs, or PG-13 rating handcuffs a movie. I don't think this is one of them. Um yeah, to Garrett's point, I mean, there was a lot of really scary scenes in there that might have actually been ruined how they added more blood and gore to it. I kind of, because it lets you kind of do a little theater of the imagination. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. And, and like I said, now that we've been talking about it, I don't necessarily think that's the case either. I think I just kind of wanted a few more scares added in. Um, it might have been that there's so much like, you know, story with going to the to the to the grocery store and all yeah. that other stuff. There's just a lot of fluff. In. Well, there's yeah. a scene where they cut out completely. I don't know if it was Sarah Michelle Gellar's character, Karen, or if it was another character like Yoko, but at some point someone kills someone with a box cutter. And, oh, see, that would have been and then cool. that character's covered in blood later on. Mm. And the, basically to avoid getting a, um, R? Uh, an R rating, they cut that scene out because that character would have been covered in blood and also seen that like, it's kind of alluded that she kills him with the box cutter off screen, mm-hmm. but they don't actually show it. Suppose they filmed that scene to be in the movie, but they edited it out mm. because they were like, gotcha. you know, They're straight. I think they were 13. So also, I think, I think that worked better though. Yeah. Kind of handcuffed by their, uh, their runtime. The movie is just barely over 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to imagine. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't no. think I would have wanted more of this movie. Well, they just wasted their 90 minutes. If they had a 90 minute like budget, they wasted, I would say like 45 minutes of it. Um, but for me, the great mistake is editing, man. They just, I think there is a good movie here. It just was not brought out. Yeah, I think you're right too. And like I said, after doing the episode, I, I think that's my problem with it. I was trying to determine what it was that didn't like it. it was, was it PG 13? No, it's actually just the way it, it was edited. Um, some additional yeah. fluff that didn't need to be there, Garrett. Do you so have any my great mistake originally was the fact that at the very beginning, when Doug and um, uh, Karen are walking through uh, Tokyo before she goes to get her job at Emma's place, uh, they stop at a graveyard, um, a Japanese graveyard, and oh, then yeah. she, they look over and she's like, "Look, I want to show you something." Oh, that scene was weird. And then she's like, 
she's like, that's a Buddhist ritual where they basically use the incense to carry the messages to yeah. the spirits. The thing is, Buddhists don't believe in spirits in an afterlife. So <laughs> it's actually a Shinto thing. Whoops. That they actually they actually yeah. do. So Way to me go. knowing some Japanese culture, I was like, wait, I don't think that's right. And I actually looked it up because I was like, I just don't think that's right. I don't think yeah. Buddhists believe that shit. And so it wasn't. It's actually a Shinto thing, but she says it's a Buddhist thing. It also has no bearing in the movie at all. And then she also Spoiler. says, um, it must have been someone they cared for. And it's like, well, yeah, that's that's the people you bury. It's like you don't go to someone's grave and you're like, you know, like, like I don't give a Stranger. shit about Paul, you know, it's like, let's go visit his grave. I mean, but maybe you do. Maybe you're one of those people. Yeah. But no, the, the grave mistake, like I said, originally I was like going to make it that because I was like, that just seems like a huge glaring omission that the fucking Japanese director should probably know about. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it definitely was editing. Like, it, and maybe not so much editing, but maybe um, the script and editing. I'll call it both because the script, I think, because the Japanese one jumps around like this too. Mm. Yeah. Um, Do you think this movie would play any different if someone had edited it to be chronological? Like maybe you still start with Bull- Pullman's death as the big kind of, whoa, and then the rest of the movie plays chronological. I think it would have played worse. You think so? I do for the fact that if you if you actually don't have the breaks in between when something happens, it's very boring and very just kind of like, I was scared by a ghost. Now I'm in the hospital. Now I'm going to go do some research. Now I'm going to go here. Now I'm going to go do this. Now this person dies. So I think, you know, the breaks kind of like throw you off enough to be like, when it cuts back, you're like, oh yeah, this. But again, it's bad. It yeah. just does. I mean, the thing but is, they I would argue they if there's anything. that much boringness in the movie, they probably should have just cut it out either way. I agree. I think, I think it would be a much <laughs> more enjoyable movie if it was in chronological order, chronological, <laughs> chronological order. But I also don't think it would have added anything. I think it'd have been less confusing. I think maybe I don't, I don't fucking know, man. Yeah. I'm trying to like play it in my head. Let's just be but... happy that this is, this is over and done with. <laughs> I don't think I would recommend this film. I think if go go to YouTube and find the neat scenes and be done with it. Um, oh, I would recommend what it. I think, I which know. I'd which recommend is for me to say because yeah. um, I did not think the movie was super enjoyable. Like I, I didn't. I was bored, and like I said, I forgot it. It but has the, some great scenes though. Some the, really good the scary scenes, scenes stuck with me though. A lot of the stuff that I see, <laughs> even though it's delivered in a really, it's like a really shitty pizza. The box has been crushed. You know, your pepperonis mashed on the top of the box. The cheese is over the top of the crust you know maybe part of it's a little bit too burned but it actually tasted okay and you're like wow it was a pretty decent pizza like that's kind of the way i feel about it's it like, like little caesar's pizza if you will <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know I, I don't know i would recommend it but it would not be a top recommendation like if someone was like i really want a good americanized japanese horror movie i'd be like well you can't go wrong with the following and i think grudge would be in that list the early half of the 2000s was not a great time for horror movies i think this is one of the better ones that have come out of that half decade I'd say from 2000 2005 I can't argue with that well this I, is the time when they did like what five different American remakes there was like Dark Water there was this there was like The Ring there was yeah they stole um, a lot from Japan this is the time of the final uh, well they optioned a lot uh, destination movies alright they, they optioned because they actually like were working a lot closer with a lot yeah. of these companies they didn't just we were still getting some Scream movies I didn't, I didn't mean steal as in they yeah, cop- yeah, did yeah, weird gotcha, cop- gotcha. they just didn't create their own material but yeah we had a bunch of Scream yeah. sequels Final Destination sequels I mean, it was like a real big sequel equal time and not I still in a want to good watch way. Final Destination. We should do that for an episode. I watched will, all seven not that long ago. Oh they're boy. that's a commitment. They're okay. I you know what? They're less bad than I remember. Um some of them are actually good. Most of them are just 
like The Grudge. They are just empty calorie movies. You're just, do you, you watch it, them and you're like, okay, and then you're done with them. Do you think it'd be better to find like a YouTube montage of all the different crazy deaths? The deaths were great. And they do, one of the few things that get better as the movies go on because technology just gets better. Um, because the first Final Destination was in like 19, 19, 1999 and the last one was like in 2008 or something. So Wow, that's spanned. Yeah, they made seven or eight of them. We should delve um, into that later, though. We will. <laughs> uh, the Grudge was a box office success. It made $187 million on a $10 million budget. Are you Jeez. fucking kidding me? Worldwide take. That Someone's does not retiring. surprise me, though, because yeah. it, it's like made for, for just being a popcorn well, film. Dude, I... I got drugged to it. I mean, the, the trailers were so powerful yeah. that like everyone was like, "We're the, the theater was packed opening night," and this is back before like Draft House was really doing yeah. their thing. So like, this was a full sized like regal theater. Like, I remember packed. working at the movie theater when this movie came out, and everyone went to see it you in know, the whole planet. It felt like so. Yeah, uh, it, it was kind of talked about. I think um, also interesting to note that this film is recognized as the second highest grossing horror film in the past forty years behind The Ring. Yes. I'm sorry, let me restate that. This film is recognized as the second highest grossing horror remake oh, of the past 40 okay. years behind the ring. Um, surprising to a lot of people that it, it did better than the Nightmare on Elm Street remake and the Friday the 13th remake. I don't, I'm not that surprised because those movies did not have solid star names. Sarah Michelle Gellar was a legitimate was superstar. That this, yeah. That's true, but I think the expectations of those franchises were a lot higher but than the no actually, name grudge. Well, no, hold rings. on, I'm going I'm to counterpoint that because think about it. It's harder to sell a product that has basically become shitty than it is to sell a new product that you don't know of is shitty. We had not really had a lot of Japanese Americanized remakes at this time. So this was a very new, scary concept to people as they're seeing these trailers, The Ring and The Grudge. They're like, oh my God, that looks terrifying. And I we think, haven't really seen I a lot of that. that but the thing happened, is, if you've seen... But versus but hold on. expectation. But hold on. If you see... Like, if you've seen Jason Goes to Manhattan, Jason Goes to Hell, and then you're like, hey, we remade Jason... It's harder to sell that being like, we've just watched five shitty Jason movies. Um, how good could yeah. this one be? As opposed to something like, well, this could be cool because they don't know anything about it. Also, uh, I'm Mark, not saying you're wrong, but I think the uh, studio expectation was that these were known powerhouses that made sure. millions in their day. Well, expectations versus reality. That's exactly are very what I'm saying. Things. The expectation was that these movies would do well. They also came out in, than a, the other two. in different environments. So um, I have been. Doing a little statistical research into horror movies because why not? Break it down, That's a nerd John. that I am. Okay. Uh, upcoming article, maybe on our website one day. Between 2000 and 2018, uh, our peak number of horror movies released in one year was in 2008. Interesting. Really? It has gone up and then it peaked at around 200 and then has been dropping and kind of leveled I off. I really want to see what happens now after it. Yeah, we'll see if it'll peak back up. Yeah. Um, so I think in 2008 and 2009, the market was also super, super saturated compared to 2004 with The Grudge. There was just a lot less horror in hmm. well, being released there in 2004. There was definitely a lot less horror because the thing is, is for a long time, I just don't remember seeing horror movie trailers. No. Yeah. It wasn't until like Saw and The Grudge and The Ring and stuff where I started like seeing horror movies again. I mean, I'm sure we were seeing stuff like random random slasher flicks and stuff. I think yeah. Hostel and stuff was after. I think it was wasn't like 2006. It? It was like 2006 oh, no or shit. 7. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Cuz Eli Roth cuz I think we had like um cuz that uh, came after Saw and Saw was in the early 2000s. What was the Cabin one? Um Cabin Fever. Cabin, Cabin Fever. Fever came out like I want to say roughly after The Grudge and the Ring. So we didn't even get into that one. Oh, Cabin Fever might have been before. I feel like that was 2002-2003 cuz cuz they that has been around long enough that they already had a Cabin Fever remake in 2016. Yeah. That movie is so bad. 
I don't know. I like Cabin Fever. Cabin Fever was 2002. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, you're right. But um, I also find out that they're actually remaking uh, The Grudge for 2019. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're actually doing a new remake. I don't know any of the... I didn't recognize any of the actors except for um, Frank Faison. But um, if you don't know who that is, look him up. You'll know exactly who he is. He's a great bit uh, actor. They get a good editor. That's what I want to see. Maybe Sarah Michelle Gellar can play Emma. Oh, that would oh, be great. The paraplegic That'd mom or the invalid mother. She's not that old. I know, but it would be fun, right? If, Good if she circle got of life. Movie magic, baby. Yeah, so, but she could be Jennifer. She's probably the right age to be a yeah. uh, middle-age housewife. I so. don't think she's up to much. I no. don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't see her either. anymore. Yeah. But um, we got Grudge 2 in 2006 with a blasting uh, score of 12% on Rotten Tomatoes. The American, um, American Grudge, right? The American Grudge. Okay. And then uh, in 2009 was Grudge 3, which was a direct-to-video and it doesn't have a score on Rotten Tomatoes, so it must be fantastic. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, and that's kind of all I've got here. Do you guys have anything else to say about this? I got nothing else to say about this. Nope, I'm spent. I'm, I'm going to forget it tomorrow. Yeah, I'm already literally for- forgetful. I'll be honest. I, I, I think John was just about to say, I've already forgotten stuff about what we just talked yeah, about. And I don't I'm, remember. I'm still confused about the plot at times. <laughs> the beginning yeah. of this podcast. That's why so. I, I find it so interesting that you guys would recommend this film, even though you have a lot of negative. Because what I do it. remember are the good parts, and the good parts are they stick with they you. There's some of my you. favorite horror scenes of all times, actually. I would argue that bed scene is probably in my top. 15 maybe of just an individual scene it's so solid um and think about shitty action movies you know there's some really shitty action movies lethal weapon is a great example i love lethal weapon but that movie's kind of garbage to a degree you know so but the thing is there's such lasting scenes in that you just it sticks with you and i feel like that's the same way it's like how i'd recommend a kind of a shitty action movie to someone it's like, yeah, okay, there's some major problems with this movie, but you're going to dig it. There are way worse ways to spend 90 minutes of your life than watching The Grudge. Like you can watch Godzilla. Oh, fuck <laughs> <you>. <laughs> Well, I propose you spend even less time and just watch them on YouTube. But it's up to you. Uh, two recommendations. One, go watch the scary bits on YouTube. Uh, and that's going to do it for today's episode on The Grudge. All right, later on, y'all. Thanks see for it. joining us, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> Thanks for listening in on this episode of the Grave Talk Podcast. What did you think of The Grudge? Do you have a movie recommendation or correction? Let us know on Facebook and Twitter. And don't forget to visit www.thegravetalk.com for additional Grave Talk content. Until next time, stay above ground, otherwise you may be dead, and the dead can't listen. Listen.